What's up, guys? Got Howard Birch back for a second time. He was a great guest the first time on the pod. He's back because he's constantly evolving and doing new things and pushing the boundaries. And so I think this is a great episode. He talks in depth about one, going to an expo and presenting and what that's like and the the great lengths he went to to make it an amazing setup and display. So you'll want to hear that. Then he talks about pre-drywall inspections and not just doing them and offering them and promoting them, but how he structures them in terms of helping new build home buyers follow up at each step of the way. And, and he keeps an eye on it for them and sells it as a package and kind of a recurring ongoing maintenance thing that sets up the 11 month, 11 month inspection. So if you're in a place where there's new homes being built at all, I recommend listening closely to that. Um, he also talks about the home service business and kind of his future plans to expand and capture that recurring kind of value that clients want and need from you guys and pushes it a step further, which is amazing. Um, we talk about pricing. We talk about how to build confidence in your pricing and what you're trying to offer and, and kind of shooting your shot when it comes to um, expanding revenue sources and kind of sustaining and growing in this environment. Then we get into some tech stuff. He's a tech forward kind of guy. We talk a little bit about chat GPT. Um, and then we talk about coaching courses, mentoring in the industry, just an amazing all around episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Howard Birch. Oh man, I got to get yeah. one of the mics. You kicked my ass last time on having the better mic and setup, and you did it again. I, every time I come on the podcast, I'm going to step it up one more level, <laughs> and then we're just going to race and see if you can get there. You're too good for um, this industry, man. Yeah, you need to have your own podcast for the world. Well, I don't. I want to do that. I want to do. Um, so one thing I want to tell you about was I went to Frederick, Maryland to go meet Phil Dancer and did some training with him, yeah. did some pre-drywalls, went and saw his $4 million house that he uh, has featured recently big milestone for him, but we were talking, I was like, man, I love this whole opportunity of coming out and being there, talking with other inspectors, seeing how they inspect and then sharing like what their premises and things and methodologies they use when they're out there on site and sharing that to give you like a well-rounded experience overall showing, Hey, it's just not just me that cares about education and wants to share this information uh, with the general public. But, you know, we want to show other inspectors, hey, one method's not always the best. You know, you can look at a multitude of different inspectors and say, okay, cool. Now I know um, what each guy's doing differently. And I can kind of piece and pull those things in to make my business better and make myself better as an inspector. Wow. When did you go out there? When did you do that? Uh, I want to say it was like February, March, around that time frame. No, it was March. It was March. Yeah. Um, so I flew up there, stayed with him for a whole week. We went and did every new construction that he had there. It was awesome. And very nice guy. Thanked him for his time. You know, he's now he's branched out from like the DMV area all over the place. Um, but he's also, when he came to Florida, we talked and everything like that. And he's wanting to start inspecting in Florida on the off season, which is always a good option because he's looking down like towards Naples where it's busy all year. Wow. I'm so glad you guys connected because talk about like energy, oh, yeah. finding like energy, right? Like it's, it's yeah. And that's the thing too. Anybody gets on this podcast, like for example, um, the gentleman from Firebase, I reached out to him recently and just said, Hey, hello. I want to introduce myself. I follow the podcast. So anybody that's on there, I really do reach out and say hello. And I enjoyed what I learned from your podcast. I just want to thank you for taking the time out there. So, and that's the thing I like about the Spectora network is that you can find like-minded inspectors, a lot of cases. So when we did the expo here last week for the Orlando Realtors Association, we had four inspectors there, four of them use Spectora. So it was pretty cool, you know, going through and talking about like, hey, what's your inspection fees? What are you, how's, your, how's it looking in your market? You know, and it wasn't one of those things where like everybody was very competitive against each other. In a lot of cases, we were really friendly. And then I have a photo of like all the inspectors in my booth. So I was like, cool. <laughs> oh, cool. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Cause we built a whole pre drywall experience for everybody. So we kind of showed like 15 different defects. We used Spectora to build that whole sample report, posted it on the webpage, and then posted it there at the uh, expo and said, okay, he scanned the QR code. You can see the, 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 the defects and the whole list and see what the software looks like really quick in a little bite-sized chunk. Because when you're at an expo, a lot of people don't wanna spend a lot of time with you. So you gotta be real quick 
And the one thing I found out was nobody's doing pre-drywall. It's too hard. <laughs> so really interesting. And it's true. It, well, I mean, there are some people that do pre-drywall here, but it's one of those things where we got a thousand inspectors in Orlando alone. Uh, the last time I looked at the metrics and out of a thousand, you've got a handful, very small handful that do pre-drywall and understand Florida building code and understand the whole process of what's involved in a pre-drywall. And then having to be able to explain that to a customer is a whole nother challenge in itself too, uh, because a lot of times they're like, well, I don't trust my builder. I don't trust the city or the county. Oh, I don't trust my realtor. And it's like, well, you should trust them in some degree. And I agree, you should have blind faith. Um, but the reality is there's never gonna be a house that was perfectly built. And it doesn't take long to find one defect from somebody from some trade. Um, so that's one of those things where we tell them like, yeah, we want to make sure that like, there's no major issues. Uh, and then the things that we do find on the report, we tell them, Hey, you gotta be on top of your builder about that. And then when we started doing the pre-drywalls and I started going out and doing the inspections and talking to my clients, when I did my follow-ups, they'd be like, yeah, I sent it to the builder. Um, they haven't done anything. And would you mind coming back out again? I was like, yeah, I got to charge for another trip. So what I did was I said, look. I'm going to go ahead and put together an entire full service package, which goes from pre-drywall, first phase, all the way to your 11-month warranty. And that line of business is the only business you're going to have as a home inspector that's going to be long-term because you have three opportunities to work with the same client. You, have, you can set milestone payments up, and then you can say, okay, for the whole job, we can set it for X amount of dollars. You can pay it up front now and trust that we're going to come out every single day. But what I did was to incentivize that was, look, during your pre-drywall to your final, I'm coming out weekly or bi-weekly based on location. So me here in Lake Mary, if I do a house in Lake Mary, oh, yeah, I can come out every week. I can do that in my time off. I drive by your house or your development pretty often, or I'm already doing inspections there. The second thing that can happen is if it's like, say, St. Cloud, where it's about an hour away, well, when I do inspections in St. Cloud, that's when I do my drop-off and come check the property because I'm already in the area. So right. I started just really coordinating where I'm going to be for where I'm going to do my check-ins. And that works really well with the clients because a lot of times when we do construction, you have slow phases and you have speed-ups. And being on top of that, you're really not going to know until you talk to the site supers on a regular basis. So, wow. So clients were willing to pay for a weekly or bi-weekly, like, oh, yeah. they, into your time. They find, they, make, they find immense value in that. And it's that they don't have to go out there. In a lot of cases, they don't know what they're looking for, but they do trust a home inspector to tell them that. Because in reality, unless you have that trade experience or you know that trade, you're not really going to know what you're looking for on the nuances that every new build has. So, and even talking to site soups, they are overwhelmed with the amount of homes they're trying to process through that neighborhood. You know, most developments are about 100 to 60 homes on a small side development. But if we look at like Davenport here in Florida, Del Webb has been building homes in the thousands in one development and they still keep building onto it. So it's a lot of home that everybody is having to look over and be on top of. But when you have a small crew of site soups out there, they're not gonna be able to look at every single home as diligently as an inspector will for six hours. You know, and then going from those repeat trips, you're just doing a check-in and you're verifying, hey, has you know something changed on site? Has something been damaged? And I just did a house here recently where I came out there and the client called me up and said, hey, Howard, I have some questions about the drywall and how they're installing it. And I said, well, let me come out there and let me look at it real quick. I'm actually like 30 minutes from where the development's at. So I'll stop by on my way home. I get out there and sure enough, we had two broken windows on the pre-drywall initially. They're still broken, haven't been replaced. And this has been like a month oh, man. Um, of waiting for those two windows. Well, I get out there to look at the drywall and the drywallers had damaged a third window. So we called the builder and we said, hey, look, we sent an email, we sent photos, documentation, and said, hey, look, just wanna let you know, there's a third window now that needs to be ordered and reinstalled into the house so they can close. But this project in particular has been very delayed. Um, but that kind of stuff is important because when you're looking at builder delays and you're looking at project management timelines, um, any little hiccup 
can add more time to it. And when you think about it, most people that are buying a brand new home, they're going to sell their original home that they're living in currently, or they're paying for an apartment or a place to live. And sometimes buyers get in that state where they're caught in between where, okay, we were supposed to move in in July this year, but now we're being told, oh no, we're not gonna be able to move in until August. Well, now I gotta either get a lease back on the property I just sold, right. or I gotta go back and rent some more, you know, a couple more months. And now I'm not expecting to spend that money. I was expecting to put it all down in my house and trying not to do anything with my credit because I'm trying to close. Right. You know? I love, so, I love that you put this together in a package. That's like, I'm not shocked that you thought of it or, or you know, that oh, it just tends to say, let's create more value. Um, so I think that's a, that's a gem right there. How are you marketing? Like, how do you market? Cause this is to like new home buyers, right? So they, yeah, their agent so, might not be recommending an inspector or they might not have an agent. So part of that marketing plan was, we started pushing more education that was educating about pre-drywall. So a lot of the videos that we posted on Instagram recently uh, that I've had my team photo edit or I've had my team go in and, you know, kind of formulate ideals on is, hey, I want to show this because this is what's taking attention on Instagram. Like, this is what's really working for us and we're hitting our stride in this little niche. And... I think people are interested by that. They're interested by the whole process of building a home, you know, especially your first time home buyer, you've never had your first home built before you bought a resale. You don't know that experience. Um, so you're researching that. And in fact, my customer I took care of today, she found me through Instagram because of the pre-drywall content. Uh, and she was like, Hey, I want to hire you for our home. So we went out there today, took care of it. And um, it's, it's a full circle thing. But the thing that it was, prompted me for my marketing and everything like that was, okay, let's do the expo this year. Let's get involved in some more organizations. And I've always felt that education is the most valuable thing you can give away to people. Um, so that way they remember you. And what I did was I built that display. So we went to the expo, wanted to dry run it, see how people were taking care of things and go from there and say, okay, is this something that people are interested in? When I was there at the expo, I would ask agents and say, do you sell new construction? And they'd be like, yeah, I do. Have you ever had a pre-drywall? No, what's a pre-drywall? <laughs> and it was just like an open and shut case yeah. of telling them, like, because a lot of people assume that, oh, it's a brand new build. It's like a brand new car. You'll never have to worry about it. But What's wrong with it? Yeah, nothing could ever go wrong. With, with a home, it's like, it's more complex than a car. And it's not QA'd the same way as a car off an assembly line. It is... Um, you know, you don't want to buy a house with a faulty headlight. Um, and that's where I give that premise is like, you got hundreds of people working on this and somebody's going to make a mistake one day out of the week. And that can be caught. And the earlier we can catch it on the first phase, by the time we get to the last phase, we know, okay, we've, we've really intimately known your home this whole time. So um, bringing that education to real estate agents, to brokers, I mean, when we were there at the expo, people were asking us and they were saying, hey, can you bring this to my office? And I built it modularly to be two four foot sections that connect with the 15 defects. So I can send it to an office and I can do the education there because I don't think a lot of you know home inspectors are doing education. I know things have changed with real estate. It's more digital now. And we rerun the Instagram hard for that reason because that's where we get the most traction. Uh, with our agents and we stay up to date with them and we kind of share our stories with them and they share them back. So that's worked really well for me. I invested heavy into SEO this year. So that was a big thing that's really been changing a lot of our um, acquisition of new clients. And that includes blog writing, you know, the optimization of the web pages. Uh, we signed up for Spectora's optimization as well and have that on there. So they helped us get it, like those initial listings and everything like that. And then, you know, we still been hitting the reviews hard. So it's one of those things where if it's working and it's, it's getting traction, just keep building upon it. And, um, but that was the thing I knew that that was a niche that nobody was tapping into. Yeah. And after 
experiencing education about pre-drywalls, I was like, this needs to be talked about more. And the reason nobody talks about it is because it's super hard. Um, the training is hard to find. There's not adequate training that is specialized to your area. And that's mm -hmm. the problem. When it comes to education, I looked at it this way as well why I wanted to go visit Maryland and do those pre-drywalls was because we don't have basements here in Florida. We don't have fire suppression systems built in most homes. And, um, you know, gutters are a good example on any home here in Florida. We don't have them. And it's weird. Yeah. If you talk to anybody from the Northeast, you know, I'm from Georgia, like everything <laughs> had gutters. Right. Um, and we were aware of soil erosion, but here there's a lot of nuances that people just don't know unless you're a home inspector. Um, so diving and digging into that really has brought a lot of fruitful results and I'm just going to keep digging into it. I'm going to tell you something I love about you. And this is, this I hope is helpful to everyone listening because, you know, it's no secret. It's been a year of higher interest rates. It's been a tougher go in terms of our whole industry coming down from the sugar high of inspections and low rates and, you know, it was raining inspections pretty much everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. You, yeah you clearly are a person that seeks out opportunity that is open to new things that goes and finds opportunity. You went and went to Maryland to go learn from someone and hang out with someone who you clearly were just like, Oh, there's probably something I can figure out or learn here. So you went and sought mm -hmm. it out because I've seen some inspectors right now sit around and just wait for things to get better. And it really hurts me to see that because this is not the type of environment where you can sit back and just expect agents to give you business. Right. Like, can you speak yeah. a little to your mentality of like everything you just said blew, has blown me away because pre-drywall, eh, people know about it, mm -hmm. but no one is like yeah. creating modular freaking, you know, structures at expos and like creating Instagram content. It's amazing. It's, it's so, I look at it this way. I'm very much a workaholic. So I open my business seven days a week. Some inspectors don't do that. They want to have weekends. I don't have obligations as kids. So there's a little bit of things that I know set me apart already and that not every inspector can apply sure but some of the principles that do apply is when you're observant and you start seeing what everyone else is doing you need to start looking for the things that no one else is doing that and ask that question like why isn't anybody doing this yet nail into that and it starts bringing a lot more clarity to that question and it grows over time. So when we were there at the Aura Expo, one, I just want to touch on this one little thing. Because we were pushing so much education publicly, freely, as, as long as somebody was willing to listen, I was there educating all day. And talking with the staff there, they're like, well, we want to bring this to a CE class. We want to certify this education. That was the opportunity that I'm like, oh my God, this, this is what I want to do. I want to educate, I want to share. But for my business, when I look at, okay, my opportunities to grow and build everything, there's two things I look at. There is horizontal expansion and vertical going up. Uh, and I think we mentioned that on a podcast here recently, but ways I can integrate my business and ex work against this whole up and down of the market. You know, there will always be a shortage of homes when it comes to new construction. I think the last statistics I looked at, there's 8 million millennial home buyers right now that are looking for homes. They're in the age and year range of they're going to be looking for their first home. There's 530,000 homes in the U.S. nationwide that are available. So huge shortage. Um, but when we say, okay, I'm worried about the market going up and down, I wouldn't worry about that. I would just say, okay, what can I do to keep bringing income into my business so I can supplement that, stack it, and use it to expand other parts or things that I am intrigued by and grow my vision bigger. And one of the things that I think a lot of inspectors miss is if you're a solo guy and you're running your own operation, you need to get on the mindset of being that technician. We talk about that a lot mm -hmm. and getting into that business owner mindset. And one of the things you need to do is not pigeonhole yourself into, oh, I'm only gonna do inspections. Because if that goes away, what are you going to do next? What else is on your, your backups? So 
when I look at my business, I say, okay, well, what are the other things I can do, such as real estate photography, drone photography? Can I get with um, surveying companies and do that kind of stuff with them? Can I get with wholesalers and see if I can do services for them, such as like the Matterport 360? Um, looking for opportunities outside of just talking to an agent. Yes, agents are great, but a lot of the skill sets you develop as an inspector can be applied to other industries. And you got to look at those industries and say, okay, where can I assist in this? Some things I'm thinking about too is getting my RBC, which is our residential building contractor license here in Florida, because a lot of times I hate the fact that I find these issues, but we work with contractors and we refer them in a lot of cases, but a home services business makes perfect sense. And you need to have that as a sister company and use your leads that are coming from this and the connections you're building because one of my guys that I work with as an agent, he does Airbnb only, and he is looking to put together a property management team, and mm -hmm. he's looking for people to come in and handle every single aspect. Well, if you have a home services company, you know agents that are doing property service management or other businesses aside from real estate or no that are closely tied, then it doesn't matter. You don't do an inspection for them. It matters that you have the connection there that can grow your other business. And so build that focus on the other sides outside of just doing the home inspection, because that's all lead gen funnels that you can use to grow something else. So if, say if I wanted to become a pressure washer and I say, Hey, I want to do two days out of the week. I want to pressure wash on the weekends. Well, I have a whole database of homes and contacts from my previous year that I can go back and say, Hey, send out an email marketing or give them a call, ring them up and say, hey, look, I just want to let you know we've been doing really well and I did your home inspection, but I did want to let you know that I started another company here that does pressure washing. So if you guys need us in the future, just let us know. I just wanted to share that with you because you've already built that line of trust with them um, and they know your experience. And in my case, I have a construction background and I've done a lot of things, but that opens up an easy lead gen for you to build that business and grow it, have people work on that while you still use the home inspections to funnel that to those other areas. Um, we talked about add-on services. You know, Those are always a fantastic opportunity for you to grow your business as well because a lot of times there's other inspectors that don't do certain things, especially when you start talking to them. They'll be like, no, I don't, in my case, I don't do WDOs, too much liability here in the state of Florida. And I just don't want to be held on the hook for that. So I set that out to another home inspection company that works with us really closely. And then there's things like sewer scopes. People don't do a sewer scopes. And I can't tell you how many times I go to a job because I didn't do a sewer scope that I see a sewer scope guy out there. And he's got, you know, 30 minutes of work, digging a hole, running a sewer camera through it, checking, make sure everything's okay. And then he's out 400, 500 bucks easily. And it's like, well, you can grab that for another 30 minutes of work if you yes. learn how to do sewer scopes. And I know we've talked about pricing recently, but I want to bring that up too, because being at this expo taught me a lot too. Um, raising your prices is very important and you should be very aware of what other people are doing for their pricing. When you ask an inspector and you say, hey, what's your base price for a home inspection? We're talking a thousand square feet. And if they say, hey, it's $400, the next question that needs to come out of your mouth is, what are your add-on fees? Where's that number sitting at? Because a lot of times I will see inspectors say, oh, we have a $300 inspection for a thousand square feet, but our add-ons are 175, 200 bucks mm -hmm. for the add-on services. Or they'll do something crazy like, oh, we'll do the limit four point and the home inspection for 500 bucks. Well. That for me is like, okay, $100 for each service. If you're raising your pricing and you're not trying to lower it because you're trying to get the inspection, um, my case, like we start at 420, 425 about, you know, mm -hmm. it's usually what we do. And then the add-on services, we bundle down. So we say, okay, I don't want to do windmits or four points. Those are, they're quick, but they're time consuming on a schedule. They can eat up the schedule really easily. Okay. Well, charge more for that. If you don't want to do it, charge more as a standalone. Mm -hmm. And then when you bundle it, they see the value of the bundle um, because then they feel 
as a customer, I'm saving more money and I, I feel better about this deal. But if you look at your competition and you see that they're doing the same thing where they're bundling or they're doing those kind of things, take the same house that you're quoting and quote it on their price scale and see where you match up. If you guys are in the same spot, then I really wouldn't adjust my pricing unless you're trying to be a little bit higher. But this year, when we publicly posted all of our pricing, we started seeing inspection companies start doing the same thing. They start raising their prices. And when I was at this conference talking to four separate inspection companies, everybody across the board had, was in the 400 to 450 range for a thousand square foot home, which was fantastic because yeah. now it means for me, I'm comfortable when somebody calls me and says, well, my price is too high. I can say, well, we've compared ourselves to other inspection companies. We're right in the middle of the market. We're where we're supposed to be. So, you know, if you're price sensitive, that's the other thing too, like price sensitive clients, because we had upfront pricing, when I get a phone call from somebody and they say, hey, what's the price of your home inspection? It tells me two things. It tells me one, you haven't looked at the website yet. So, and you're price shopping only. So you have no clue who I am. You just called the first number that popped up on the Google listing when you did the search. That's not sometimes the client that I wanna deal with. I want a client that really did their research, is know what's, knows what they're buying and is looking for the best quality inspector they can find, um, given that gap when they're, uh, when they're searching for them. And when we talk to agents, we tell agents, I said, look, the minute you get signed on as an agent with a buyer, you need to let them know, hey, start looking for a home inspector, start looking for your insurance information, finding out if you need a limit or a four point based on the homes or the insurance company you work with. Um, ask those questions because a lot of times buyers are trusting the agent to tell them all these things. And a lot of times they wait until the last minute, like, oh, okay, we are under contract. Now we got to hire an inspector. We got a seven day inspection period. It's such a rush for that buyer to pick somebody that's not enough time to adequately do your research you know you'll call the first five contractors but you don't know if those contractors are being good because you were on such a short deadline to make a decision because you have to get it done within seven days that's a good so point. and when they're rushed they're, they're going to default to low price like set the brain the, wants a shortcut yeah it's whatever's quickest whatever's cheapest you know i just need to get this done because i was told i have to get it done and that's not the mentality that we should be um, having or nor is it the mentality we should be serving um, as a home inspection company. You have to value yourself for what you're worth. And if you think you're worth $300, I think you're worth more than that. I think a lot of inspectors I meet are worth more than what they're charging um, because that expertise, everything that comes with your experience, you don't, you can't put that in a quantitative term uh, of, dollar value to represent that because everyone's individuals, you know, they're, somebody's really excels here. Somebody really excels over here on a, on a different task. So when it comes to our pricing, we anchor price. So we show the most expensive thing first, which is our new bill complete service. That is like well over a thousand dollars just to even talk to us. Mm -hmm. um, and then we sew pre drywall or we start that pricing at 650 and it's based on square footage. And then we go into the home inspection pricing. And then at the very, very, very bottom is like walkthrough consultation or, um, you know, hey, I just need you to get answered some questions and stuff like that. We do that um, for our customers, but we then we show that those prices are lower. So like when they come to look for a limit four point, when they see a thousand dollar price tag and then they see a limit 4.4, 175 or 225 for a bundle, like, oh, I'm saving money. I, I'm, I'm going to, click on that. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm having to spend so much. And when you walk into your local Best Buy or, you know, digital stores or uh, Walmart, they will post that big ticket item up front. So that when you walk in, you're like, man, that TV is like a $20,000 TV. <laughs> but when you go in there to look at TVs and you find TV for 500 bucks, you're like, oh, 500 bucks, no big deal. It looks just as good as a $20,000 TV. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, that kind of stuff works and it's very important that you kind of guide that customer journey. But, you know, I use that as a barrier when I get that phone call because nine times out of 10, I want a client that's already done the research. I don't want to have to explain to them um, why you should use me. You should want to use me. And that's the mentality you have to shift away from. Um, because we sometimes feel desperate for work, especially in a lean market right now, but it 
in my opinion, where I'm at right now, I've always been at capacity. In fact, there's times where me being sick after aura was like the best two days I was off <laughs> in a long time. Um, that's one of those things where it's, you know, it will come, but you know, you need to justify your pricing to support that. And you need to know how much you're making on each inspection. That is a big thing that people need to drill down into. You need to know, okay, out of all my marketing expenses, out of my overhead for month to month, and where I'm looking at for basically covering the nut to operate the business with zero inspections, am I going to exceed that? How many inspections do I need to meet per month to be safe on that number? Let's, and, can we double click into something? Because you said something so, yeah. so important. I want to highlight it. So what would you say to the inspectors that struggle with realizing their own value? Because... I just bought a house, home inspection was done. And I'm like, this is thousands of dollars worth of value that just got provided to me in terms of mm-hmm. my knowledge of the home, what it prevented me from, from a mistake maybe of making or, or not asking for the concession. So it's like, there's a positive ROI for home buyers, hands down. We know that. Oh yeah. But inspectors keep like some inspectors, some segment always find an excuse or a reason to not raise. It's always, oh, the market won't support it. Oh, I live in an area that doesn't support it. I personally don't buy any of that because I think this is a, val- a value and perception equation. No. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, it, it, it's truly this. Let me tell you this. Florida, if you're an inspector in Florida, you're in the most competitive market, all right? right. You make or break that. There will always be somebody that's going to undercut you, all right? But if you're in a market outside of Florida or Texas, you can earn more value for that. You can get bigger inspection prices and getting that number from let's say your your bottom line or your $300 let's say your bottom line is $300 let's say you're a $300 inspector doing a home inspection for a thousand square feet right you can bump that number up to being a $600 $700 inspection with the add-on services you can bring that value up relatively easily you just need to know how to sell that one thing that I see a lot of people do when they get on the phone, this is where I had to learn this over time, especially with working in real estate was, oh, I get a call. I, I got to upsell them. I got to upsell them now. I got to tell them like, hey, you got to get a win You got to get a four point. You got to get a WDO. And I'm going to bump that ticket up real quick from that low number. Well, let's look at it this way. If you're $300 and you're $500 for inspection, you just went from doing 30 inspections in a month, being $9,000 to being $15,000, being at 500. So why did you charge less? You know, I get it when you have to start out, you wanna be competitive with that. But if you walk into the door and you say, hey, look, I know I'm worth, I'm worth this much, that's higher than the minimum guy, you'll get it. Nobody questions your price or your experience in a lot of cases um, when you have a good track record behind you. You know, they right. know based on the reviews, they know on that stuff early out. But if you're an inspector that's been in for six months, a year, you need to look at your pricing. You need to look at how much work am I doing? Do I want to work really, really, really hard to get the tail scraps? Or do I want to leave all this profit or potential profit that's on the table with every inspection? You know, if you're not picking up those auxiliary services, like you're not doing rate on WDO, you know, look at the cost, evaluate it. You know, I don't say do the whole, you know, if it's $500 for a piece of equipment, well, that's equivalent to one inspection or two inspections. Don't think that way. Just look at it as growing your business and saying, this is an investment. What is my return on investment? How quick can I get my return on investment? When I started mold, I bought the breeze system that system, the setup and everything like that for like an initial purchase was about a thousand dollars. My first mold inspection paid for it <laughs> because I did it on a multi-million dollar home and they bought six samples because it's so much square footage. Uh, it was about 6,000 square feet for that house. So it justified it. But the thing I did was I didn't go in and look at mold inspectors and see what their pricing was and say, oh, I'm going to undercut them by $50. No, I went in and I said, okay, well, the average price for a mold inspection company to come out and do a swab test is 200 bucks. Let's just price it at 200 bucks. That's what everybody else is working at. 
as a baseline. And if we take off of this, then we start increasing pricing because our demand starts increasing. People start using us more often for this service. And when you start getting overwhelmed, let's say you're overwhelmed with the amount of home inspections you're doing, you need to raise your price because now you become more exclusive. You want to make more money and you want to slow down the amount of work that's coming in because you're overwhelmed, raise the price. And I'm not saying raise it hundreds of dollars immediately, raise it incrementally. You know, the cost of gas, the cost of operation expenses, you know, I just filled my truck up today. It was $100 to fill up a Toyota Tundra here in Florida. And that's about 25, 25 gallon tank. But that is a justified reason why you should charge more. You're getting into summer here this year. You need to raise your prices because everyone else is doing it. You need to think like that and realize that when we're looking at the year as a home inspector, January is really slow or it's really busy because everybody's coming back from Christmas. Spring and summer, we are getting into schools getting out and people are buying homes in the summer. It is hot. Make up. as much money as you can during those, those periods of time. Then the fall comes. Last year on Marmetrics alone, fall, when November finished up, it hit hard like a, a thing of bricks on December. So December, I took the entire month off. I went on vacation for four weeks spent time with family, went to Hawaii, visited my brother at the Marine Corps base there. And I did inspections when I was in town, but I only did them for the clients that I serve on a regular basis. The agents that I take care of year round. Those were the people I served. Anybody else that was calling for a home inspection, unless it was a really close or you know within a time period that I wanted to do it, I pushed it off to the side because I could send it to another inspector which is going to love it. They're going to, they're going to love the business. And we did that. We started referring a lot of the work that was overflowing on our plate to other inspectors. And the same thing came back. Oh, I can't do it in Lake County because I'm all the way in Volusia, you know, all the way in Volusia on the other side of town that same day. And they're trying to get it done in this period of time. Well, let me put you in the Lake County guy. He'll send me something that comes over on my side of the road. You know, because agents do serve not just their local area, they go where the work's at as well. So they'll ask you like, hey, Howard, will you go to the villages? No, I'm not going to go to the villages. It's a two-hour drive. But I got a guy in Lake County, I can send you, that's going to go to the villages and he's going to take care of you. And that's okay. You can't be afraid of losing work and you can't be afraid that my price is too high and people aren't going to use me. It's it's very simple in a lot of cases that you just you got to change your mentality of that and not be afraid yes things are hard you're you're taking all the risk as a business owner versus working a nine-to-five job you've got to understand that if you're not making enough money by the middle point of the year or the end of the year you're not going to be able to supply survive during those times when it's lean Less, and I don't think the market's going to crash or anything as crazy is going to go happening in real estate in my market. But if you weren't planning like a car salesman does, where they get a bunch of money when they sell a bunch of cars in quick succession and they save it for the times when, oh no, we have a chip shortage, we're not selling cars. Well, if you weren't saving your money then to float you across to the next ridge of profit, then you're going to fizzle out. You're going to be like, I got to close my doors. You know, it's the same thing when you look at overhead, when you look at other employees, my focus has always been like stockpile as much capital as I can, whether to invest it into another business, invest it into opportunities that are going to give me a good return on investment, uh, such as, you know, anything that's going to give me a percentage back for my hard money, you know, loans, things like that, that I do. Um, I took that capital and I pretty much worked it for me until I have that employee. When I hire them, I know their entire year is already paid. Like I'm not going to question because the money's already been earmarked. And so earmarking things in your budget and your business is essential um, if you have different opportunities you want to go after. So like for me, I'm earmarking a large portion for employee coverage, but I'm also earmarking for marketing for next year. So you got to look at it ahead. You can't look at it just here now and give yourself a little bit more value than that. You know, 
we're really good about giving ourselves self-doubt and we're really good about beating ourselves up in the mirror because this is a very lonely career field in a lot of cases. Yes. Yeah. Doubt. And my last, last time I was on the podcast, I remember I told you a story about when I got told no in a realtor's office. Well, the next thing I did was go straight to the next realtor office and get a yes. You got to keep looking for those opportunities to get that yes, despite what diversity you're running into. And things are hard. I'm sorry. Life is not fair. And the only way you're going to beat that is you got to be, be able to dedicate yourself to be able to see past adversity. And that's one of those things where as military, they teach you that right away. They're like, look, we're going to beat you down to where you're nothing. And then we're going to build you back up. We're going to build you up stronger than you've ever been before. And so when it comes to things like where I look at my bottom line or I look at my sheets month to month, there's been months, I'll be honest, like there's been months where we broke even like down to the dollar and that hurts stings a little bit but you got to go back and look at what factors in my business caused me to break even or made me miss my intended goal and say all right well it explains it like the one month i went broke even i took two weeks of vacation it makes perfect sense yeah but you got to look at that that way you got to be able to analyze your data that's being given to you from your business and say, okay, what factors are affecting this? Where can I, you know, I think the first thing people jump into is like, how can I cut costs? Where can I save money? There's a lot of places you can, but just remember any kind of reaction you have that's like a knee-jerk reaction is probably not the best reaction to have. Taking time and taking calculated decisions is probably the best thing I can tell any business owner. Like do not jump into the fire immediately because you think there's a problem. That problem needs some time to be worked on. So. <laughs> I, I love, mean, I love I, that. You, 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 let, yeah. me, let, me, let me give you a break for a second because you just touched Yeah, because I've, I've just been rattling, man. We've been knowledge dropping. <laughs> yeah, so many important things here. I just, I love all of this, by the way. I think it's all very helpful and informative. In a, it, you know, I, I used to follow like Grant Cardone and any, like, just like mm -hmm. his headline stuff. I know he's quirky on some other things, but like, basically the concept of when everyone's pulling back and cutting costs, you should be doubling down on action or investment in your business because there's less competition. There's more eyeballs to gain and um, you're just striking while everyone else is pulling back. So I really like that concept of being thoughtful about your spend instead of the knee jerk of like focus on bottom line instead of top line, you know, and like mm -hmm. that, those are two different mentalities. And I think we're going to, there's going to be a lot of make or break moments in the next couple of months for businesses. And some people are going to say, how do I create more content on Instagram on pre-drywall? How do I start creating a package for this or that? Create a home services business. Top line is going to grow. And then there's going to be people that just chip away at their expenses, but they're not focused on growth and they're going to yeah. wither away. And I think that not all of them, but I do think it's, if you have confidence in your business, you said this a minute ago, you got to find what you're confident about in your business. Not everyone is natural as a speaker as you and everyone has like, you know, the same, I, I think, gusto that you have, but every inspector has something they're great at and something they can hang their hat on. And I think you hit it on the head when it's like, you can't just raise prices and then be backtracking and defending it all the time. It's not going to work. You have to like really lean into it and say, this is why I'm one of, I'm in the mid range or top range of my market. Here's why. And I'm not for everybody and that's okay. But inspectors, you're, you're right. They have trouble pulling themselves forward into that confidence. And so mm -hmm. I just love that you kind of talked through how you go about it because it is a mindset. I don't, it truly is a mindset of you're forcing yourself to add more value if you say you're more expensive. So sometimes the value comes after the price increase, right? So yeah. if you're inspector and doubting yourself, it's like, do it. Your, your body will be forced into getting better in everything you do. Yeah, I think if you're an inspector and you're troubling with this whole mentality thing of, am I, am I worth more? Ask yourself this, when you started your first inspection, how deer in the headlights were you when you did that inspection? <laughs> now look at the inspection you did today or your one you're doing right now and say, all right, well, this is a piece of cake. It's a walkthrough in a lot of cases for me because I've done it so well. That confidence took time. And there's two methods of that. You can earn confidence or you can fake it till you make it. 
And I'm a big believer that if you are lacking confidence or you're lacking something in your business, you've got to put more time towards it. And look at it this way. If I put an hour every day into something I'm working on. So like for me, I want to get really good at Instagram videos. I started making more videos and I'm going to be honest with you. Like if you go back and look at some of our first videos that I ever posted, I deleted a lot of them. <laughs> they were cringe, man. They were like, I would be like paused and wouldn't go right into what it was talking about or I make mistakes or, you know, really get upset about, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. You got to realize we're all human and you got to realize you're human as well. Um, and that you're going to make mistakes. That's okay. It's, it's part of growth. It's part of learning. It's part of building confidence and character. You got to be okay with that and not be afraid of it. Yes, we want to put our best foot forward. We always do. But the reality of it is nobody cares. <laughs> In a lot of cases, yep. you care because it's you. And most people don't. There's care. things that I, I will be honest with you. Like I remember there's times where I was like, I hope I'm doing my best. And people are like, no, you're like way out of the park, man. You're killing it. But in my head internally, I'm freaking out. I'm thinking, oh my God, I am messing up big time. Um, you know, when I, I can be honest, like the expo here, well, I'll give some pretense about like what was going on during that like mentality. So I built this display. It took a whole month. I was going to build content around it and everything like that. And I did. And I was having to work on it on the hours when I was not doing inspections day to day. And so that left me usually the evening hours. So I would get home seven o'clock at the end of my day, work on the last two hours doing, you know, follow-ups with customers and doing my consultations and stuff like that, that I normally do uh, in the evening hours. And then I would build my display. Now that display did not get completed overnight. Now the videos show three days, but that's three days broken up in eight hour segments over like a week. So each video is like a week long recap of what happened. And building that up and everything like that, it, it took time. So when I got to the expo, I was super nervous. I was like, man, I hope there's a lot of people here. My first day there at the expo, they, it was a short day. They, um, we got in the night before we loaded everything up, me and my brother. And then I got there the first day and I was like super excited, super pumped. And I'll be honest with you, like I was flunk, I was flunking on some people. Some people were just like, I don't even care. I don't need a home inspector. I got my own inspector. Rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, look, man, like I'm not here to like be your home inspector. I just want to talk about pre-drywall and give you education. I'm doing this because I like this. Right. And um you know, those little confident negs, you know, that come in where your confidence gets like, oh man, that person was really mean to me or whatever. Day two of the expo, I had figured out my script. I had figured out what was going to set me apart from every single inspector there that was also running a booth. And what I learned was a lot of lessons learned on like how my booth design should be tweaked for next expo or for next things. So the first time doing it, this is my first expo, I was nervous. I was, you know, like I get those cold shoulders and stuff like that. And that would really wear on your confidence, but there's hundreds of people. First day was a lot less people. So I was really bummed out because I was like, man, I really, you know, I feel like I paid this money to be here. I built this thing and there's not enough people coming to see it. They look at it, they see it. They, they just don't come in and say hello. <laughs> they right. give compliments about it but they don't bother to take the card or put the card in for the giveaway, you know, those kind of things. Like we're trying to give you as much incentive as possible to like, come say hello. And it was really for, you know, your confidence gets beat up a little bit. But the thing is, I knew that the second day was the more important day of the expo because that was when all the main education happened. That's when all the other stuff is. So when I look back at it and you review your downfalls, look at them as learning experiences. Because when that second day came, the first thing I told real estate agents was, hey, do you sell brand new construction? And that's how I pulled them in. That's how I beat everybody else. I didn't have to show my software. I didn't have to do this. I, I said, hey, do you sell new construction? Do you have an inspector specialized in pre-drywall? Do you know about new construction? Here's an example of 15 of the most common defects we find in brand new builds. Do you wanna learn about them? And if they have time, yeah, we'll teach. If not, well, here's the sample report. Take a look at it. See what you know you can find in brand new construction. 
I want to teach you one thing here today, at least so that way when you go on site with your buyer and you're looking at a new build, you can point it out and say, I'm the smart one in the room. Sound cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that whole speech and that flow and that way of doing that, I had to practice. Yeah. It's the same thing too. When you're building opportunities, or you're looking for opportunities, you're going to stumble at first and you've got to practice. Give it one more hour. Because when we look at it in a week, the seven more hours that you did in some, let's say you and a competitor are doing the same thing. If you spend one more hour doing, working on your business than they did, that's seven hours that you're ahead of them. After a month, you're getting up to what, 48? Sorry, no, that's 14, 28, 28. After a year, 52 more weeks, how far ahead are you? You're weeks ahead of them yeah. because you took the time to put one hour into it. Now imagine if you put two. Yeah. You're going to be way ahead of them. And we're both content creators and the reps give confidence quicker than you would think. So for everyone Mm -hmm. watching, like we didn't just show up and be able to talk on camera and like, we still feel nervous and insecure at times. And every time I hit record, I get a little bit of butterflies. And so you just gain confidence the more you do it. It's normal. Like I got nervous. I'll be honest, like before the podcast started, I was like, is is Kevin going to hop on? Do we have to reschedule? You know, those (laughs) kind of things. I got a camera check, those kind of things are normal. Yeah. And when it comes to your business and being an inspector and you're looking at pricing and all that, you just got to be confident in yourself. You got to say, hey, look, I know I'm worth more. I deserve better. And you'll be able to raise your pricing. And I think, you know, we've talked about multiple times where an inspection should be a thousand dollars. I agree wholeheartedly. I think some of the services we provide and the liability we take on, it's a lot. Because in some states, you're held on by X number of years for liability. And out of all the other contractors who work there on that home during the inspection process, like the sewer scope guy or whoever else that's coming out there to look at the property, they're not held to the same standards, but we are. So be a little bit more prideful about yourself and your business. That is the hardest thing, I think, if you're a solo guy in a truck to remember because you're constantly beating yourself in the truck. You're constantly beating yourself at night because you, you care. That's the difference. You care enough. That's why you're so hard on yourself. And we all do it. So don't feel alone in that. And there's, a ma- there's like a very simple math equation everyone can do in terms of hours spent for the dollars you get for the services you provide. And everyone points to the guys undercutting in the markets and, um, just do the math, run like a, if they did 20 inspections and you did 20 inspections at 1.5 X, the price there's quality of life gains in there as well. So like oh, yeah. less time to make almost as much money, but look at the time you're getting back and time does equal money, <laughs> you know, time is money. Yeah. So I think uh, that gets lost. Cause I think guys just say, Oh, well, I'm going to lose out on jobs, but it's like, well, you'll have time to talk to more agents. You'll have time to create more mm-hmm. content. Oh. Yes. And that's the other thing you got to look at too, is like, if you're getting back time and you're, you're slowing down your schedule, if you're a single operator and you don't have people to take on that work for you, it's more beneficial. You got to remember running your business is not just profitability and how many inspections I can do. You know, last year I did 640 inspections and that's a lot of inspections. When I started talking to other inspectors, I started to find out like the average was like around 200, 300 in my market. And I was like, okay, cool. Nice pat on the back for myself. But in my head, personally, I felt like I didn't do enough. I felt like I could do more. Right. And the reality of it is when you look back at that, I worked a lot. I like working. That's the difference. Um, But, you know, if your values and the things that are important to you in your life and you're looking at your business like this is a ability for me to make my life easier over time, you need to make sure that you're not stuck working in your business, that you put those values and remember those core values and apply them to your life. Because we have the financial side, we have the spiritual side, we have the physical side of our bodies that we need to take care of to be our best versions of ourselves. So if you want to spend more time with your family and say that's the the drive that you have here and this is why you're building your business and everything like that well raising your prices is probably a better option because you're working less but you're making more money for the time you're working and that means you can use that to enrich your life 
with your family. So, I mean, that's, that's how I look at it. You know, I, I, I keep it very simple in a lot of cases and try not to go too off the deep end with it. There's nothing special about what I'm doing that's different. It's just that, you know, these are things you learn in time and experience. And the shortcut to that is listening to other people's experience and focusing on what other people are saying first and then applying it to your own life. That's why, we're, that's why you're on the pod, my man. Um, <laughs> this has been awesome. Dude, seriously, like what a, what a better way to wrap it of like hearing others' experiences and wading into the deep end and saying, I'm going to try this out. And then the confidence follows. And um, yeah, dude, this is, this is great, man. Um, we're going to need to do another episode again because I'm sure we didn't even get into half the stuff on your list. <laughs> I, I, we, I sent you that list, I don't know, months ago. And th- so many things have changed. Yeah, I, I'm really happy. Like the expo went really well, and I love what you guys are doing there at Swatora. I've been a big fan, and um, you know some of the things that I'm really excited for. Like I, I like the email marketing. I want to really like talk your ear off about that at a later point and see what you guys are doing with that um, because I think it's a fantastic tool. And I'm starting to see like you guys are really pushing Spectora to not just be your inspection software, but your full customer relationship management tool as well and applying these things to help inspectors bring ease to their lives in a lot of cases because i know for me i hate the next thing i'm waiting for is when you guys integrate chat gdp into (laughs) spectora yeah to make it easy for people just to respond stuff i mean one of the things i think is amazing when we're talking about ai real quick is that um microsoft copilot is going to change how people do their office work it is amazing. When you look at it and you start researching it and you see what it can do, it's gonna revolutionize how work is done remotely and in the office. We could do a whole nother, se- we should do another session. We should do another pod episode on potential AI uses in our industry because I don't think our industry is gonna be as quick to research these and adopt these. Um, yeah, are we recording still yeah. for the pod? Okay. Um, so talking about that real quick. So when I told well, last time we talked, we talked about this off the pot, but I want people to be clued in here. When I started my website and I started all this stuff for my business, I was using an AI software that was called Jasper. And at the time, chat GDT was not around. Jasper was an AI writing software that made it easy for me to formulate ideals and make it sound to the tone that I needed to be in when I'm talking to certain individuals. Some folks respond easier to authority, some work better with empathy. And so when you know that response works really well with somebody, when you're communicating with them, you wanna use that tone. You can change the tone for that individual because then it's more personalized to them and it is more well-received when we're talking to folks. So I use Jasper to build the entire website everything that was written out there, the formulation of ideals. Now that chat GDT is around, oh my God, like you can sit there. Like when I have questions or I'm thinking about things in my business and I want some help or a sounding board in a lot of cases, I love that it's a soundboard because I can give it an ideal. I can say, hey, can you give me some suggestions based on this ideal? It will give me back feedback and it will help me better develop ideal now i'm not saying it's a easy some people look at it as like an easy cheat code of like oh i can write blog posts real quick and send it out well let me reiterate that an ai writer will never write as well into the tone that you write in so you need to go back and revise that content and look at that and say hey look it's not my tone it's not exactly what i want to say you need to factually check that stuff because a lot of times it will be incorrect uh, and when we start talking about like inspection defects, it doesn't know all the information about home inspections like you do. So you need to go back and relook at that. It will give you a general synopsis, but think of it like you have a junior writer working for you, an intern in a lot of cases, somebody fresh out of college, very limited experience about the home inspection industry. Well, they can do a lot of the thought processing and getting the stuff pre-written for you, but you still need to supervise and look over it and approve the final draft. So when it comes to AI, like it's going to be a helpful tool to optimize your work and to make it quicker, but it still requires that human counterpart to make sure that it's actually correct. 
for sure um all right i gotta run dude um this has been awesome thank you i'm gonna yeah. actually, i'm gonna link to your post because we talked about your the expo the bill that you did for the expo um yeah. so i'm gonna link to that post and your account in there so people can check that out and i'll, I'll flash it on the screen kind of when we were talking about it too that'd be cool